Dish from Waitrose is an SE Creative Studio production. Book a dream holiday in Western Australia and experience a new level of luxury with Qatar Airways. Discover premium wines in the Margaret River region, where towering forests meet turquoise oceans, and sunny Perth, where you'll enjoy not just fine wine, but fine dining too. But before your adventure begins, savour signature delicacies made with seasonal ingredients on the multiple award-winning Qatar Airways, where you'll experience the exceptional. Visit qatarairways.co.uk slash Perth for more information. Just so you know, our podcast might contain the occasional mild swear word or adult theme. Do I tell him the car story? You've got to. Come on, it's he'll so love bad, it. though. He'll like, love for it. someone like that who is like a car aficionado, an expert, <laughs> I don't know if he'll find it funny. Oh, I think he will. He will. Anyway, you have to. I'm, asking. I'm not asking, I'm yeah. telling. You're doing okay, it. Okay, we'll Grimshaw. share it. You're I doing think. it. He it's will. It's pretty embarrassing, but. <laughs> Hello, I'm Nick Grimshaw. And I'm Angela Hartner. O-B-E-M-B-E. Thank you. Soon to be knighted. <laughs> this is our brand new podcast, Dish from Waitrose. We have invited some of our favourite famous faces round for a Michelin star meal prepared by... Yes, me. Today we're joined by James May, presenter, petrolhead and producer of Gin. So while I'm cooking, you get the drinks for me, ready, okay. please. Yeah, I'm... Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, chef. <laughs> So on today's menu with James May, G&Ts are going to be made by Nick. I'm going to follow it with a Sri Lankan-inspired monkfish curry paired with a delicious Villa Antonori. And finally, because it's James May, we've got a cheese board with loads of cheese, delicious chutneys and crackers. Hi, James Hello. May. How are you? Oh, let's How do it I? the proper Italian way then. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. How's it Look. What have you got us? It's my yes. gin. <gasps> James Jen. I've got to explain something very important to you. So we made an initial batch of 1,000 litres, which uh-huh. was all numbered and signed. Yeah. Because of the nature of making gin, you actually have a tiny bit left over at the end. So we had, because we forgot to keep any for ourselves, we had right. two bottles signed but not numbered. <gasps> so this is like bottle 1,421 of 1,420. So you can drink the gin, please be my guest, but I must have the bottle back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We want to sit back. James, tell us about the pub. We're obsessed that you have your own pub. Half a pub. Half a pub? Yes, I only own half of it. Uh, Couldn't afford the whole thing. Um, So this is in the village next to to Hobbity Cottage. (laughs) (laughs) It's the village next to Hobbity Cottage. The pub is in Swallowcliff, the Royal Oak Swallowcliff plug. Or as I refer to it, the Roy Swallowcliff, because I only own half of it. (laughs) The Roy. So originally there was a pub in the village and it sort of fell into disrepair and it closed down and some developers were going to turn it into either a shop or some houses. Mm. The locals moaned about it, as people in villages do. Uh, A group of four local blokes who had a fair bit of money to spend rescued it and spent a lot of money doing it up. And put lovely furniture in it and totally... I mean, it's, a, it's an 18th century building, so it needed a lot of work. And it was a nice pub and it served very good food. It has an excellent chef, but it never really made any money. And then the four investors decided they were fed up with it and wanted shot of it. And then they approached me and they said, do you want to buy the pub? And I said, well, not really. It's quite clearly doesn't make any <laughs> But then I got talking to another bloke who had been one of the original investors and we looked at everything about it. And we decided that it ought to be able to work if we got a sort of a proper pub manager in. Yeah. Um, and we stepped back. We weren't going to try and run it. I mean, the worst, 
it's such a cliche, you know, some middle-aged to elderly blokes buy a pub and think they can run it, but yeah. you can't because it's really bloody difficult. So we found a bloke from T- Yorkshire who Lovely. could run it, and he's excellent, called Chris. Um, and we just, we bought it just before the pandemic started, yeah. but we'd already agreed the price, so I didn't feel I could welch on it, so we bought yeah. it anyway. And then, <laughs> So we bought it and, and, and closed it. Yes. Oh, great. great investment. I bet yeah, at the time you were thinking, this is great. Yeah, so we had to drip a bit of money in it to keep it yeah. from falling down. But now, but now it's running and it does, it does work. But like you say, like a pub, I know you were saying like, it just sounds so like, oh, two guys get a pub, it'd be easy. When we knew you were coming on the podcast, Andrew and I were like, we should get a pub. <laughs> I, think there's, I think everyone has thought... I should get a pub and run it. Right. Yeah. But it isn't, and you can't, because it's actually, <laughs> It's really difficult. My, I mean, my sage advice as a uh, <coughs> pub owner... <laughs> Not everyone can. If you can do it, by all means, buy one, if you can buy a good one, but give it to a professional to run. <laughs> the other thing we have to acknowledge, and I know some people find this incredibly painful, but there are thousands of people from real ale societies and historic Britain and whatever saying, oh, the pubs are closing at a rate of whatever it is a day at the moment, 50. Mm. Yeah, every, there's one near us that we always walk past and when we walk in the dogs at night yeah. and it's like a proper old London pub on the corner, like the bars, the whole middle of the pub. Yeah, yeah. And we're always like, we should buy this, having never even worked in a pub. <laughs> we're like, we should buy this and run this. And like, now we know Angela. <laughs> Get her in that kitchen every day. Yeah. Oh, nothing else to do but cook for you in your pub, yeah. <laughs> when I take a step back, you have to remember I am one of the world's worst business people. I take a step back and think, Right, in the old days, when we first had this cottage, we used to go to this pub. It's the only pub within walking distance, yeah, which is why it had to be saved. Yeah. We'd go to this pub and we'd have nice suppers on Sunday or Friday and we'd you know, drink the beer and drink the wine. It was all lovely. Yeah. Um, and I still do exactly the same thing because we have a rule. There's no freebies, no discounts, no right, mates yeah. rates. Everybody, even me and Simon, if we go yeah. there, we pay the bill normally. That's the rule. Otherwise, it simply won't work. Mm. Um, so I'm doing what I always did, except I had to put the pounds in to keep the pub going. In the so it's actually the world's most expensive pint. That's all it is. Well, I'm making you curry. I'm making you both sort of a monkfish southern Indian curry for you with Beautiful. rice. Oh, yeah. So we'll only take, we've done all the marinade, all the hard work's done. I've just got to cook off the fish now. So Is there an easy one, then? Easy. You could do this. Easy. Patronising. Yeah. <laughs> do you cook, James? The things I make successfully are basic pastas. Uh, I can do like roast, mm-hmm. roast chicken mainly. Yes. I, don't, I don't really eat very much red meat, so I don't do roast beef, but roast chicken, baked fish, some pastas. I can do some really basic curries and a basic ramen. I can make a pie, mm-hmm. toast. 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 Do you know what though? Good toast. Well, it's hard to be. I mean, There's it's the no stuff better. of life. There's what no bread do you use for your good toast though? That's, ah. Bread obviously is the key, yes. but. Well, specifically, I I use Paul's Bakery, the white one, which is quite nice bread, but it's, I don't know why, but there's something about it that makes it toast just fabulously. And I like quite burnt toast. I like all other foods underdone, Mm -hmm. but I like burnt toast. And Paul's toast is it's just going beyond brown. Yes. The, The sort of the... The density of it and the crispiness, and then you put peanut butter or sardines on it or something, oh, and it's just... Oh, no. I, I mean, I'll kill you if you come near me while I'm using that. <laughs> what do you think it makes the best toast, Angela? 
I really love like the old-fashioned white bloomer. Yeah. I like a, and I like the, the butter's got to seep through. Yeah. And I'm a Bovril girl, not Marmite. You see, I love uh, Bovril on toast. Oh yes, that's right. You see, this looks great, Angela. What have we got? So we've got a monkfish curry with steamed rice. Oh yum! And what's quite spicy. I think I put quite a bit of chilies in there. Fenugreek, cumin, um, mustard seeds, nice bit of tomato, coconut. And we were going to go um, rosé, but I think... That, yeah. Sorry, yeah. what was that? <laughs> oh, just bad associations, because that's now Clarkson's drink. You say, oh, can't, you know. I can't drink. Can't even see it. No. Can't even see it. Contractually, I'm not allowed to drink not it Not allowed. It just doesn't fit, does it, Clarkson, yeah. his rosé? But anyway, enough about him. Well, I, I, see, I think it does in a way. Does it? I mean, it's just because I'm used to seeing him drink it, I suppose. Yeah. He's been drinking it for years and years mm. and years, and he's always... Yeah, that's he it. Hasn't, he hasn't got a bottle of it in the morning. But I mean, you know, <laughs> in the evening, there will be a bottle of rosé, yeah. because that's his favourite drink. Does he drink so, it year-round? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy yeah. actually has a particular rosé that he likes. I'm, I, You know, I will have different... Oh, yeah, what's he going for? Is it Whispering Angel? Oh, yeah, that's what we've got in. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Well you, well, you obviously invited the wrong guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you go now? He's round the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm literally here yeah. for a glass of rosé. <laughs> I like that the monkfish has remained very slightly, I suppose I should say, al dente, but mm. you know what I mean? It has firmness. Yeah. If it's overdone, even when it's in a curry sauce, it tastes dry. Mm. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, overcooked. Yeah. But Angela was saying before, me included, probably in this, that everyone always overcooks fish. Mm. Yeah, like it's a few minutes. Yeah, they're nervous. People think it needs longer than it does, but mm. actually it can eat. And also, well, you did the programme in Japan as well. Fish can be underdone. Yes. I don't think it has to be. I hate fish when it's too overcooked. But I overdo it. I mean, my main failing as, a, as an amateur cook mm. is I'm somebody who likes underdone things and I like a lot of raw things, mm -hmm. but yeah. I overcook everything for exactly the reasons you, yeah. you say. I'm nervous mm. and I somehow think I'm going to kill myself. The hardest thing in the world to cook perfectly is a, is a trout. Yeah. To get it exactly right. It's a bit like boiling an egg. They're all slight. There's, everyone is unique. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Different personality. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a fluke if you get it right, to be mm. honest. Mm, mm, mm. It's really tasty, though. Really good. Thank you, Angela. Pleasure. Um, let's talk about what we watched last night, which was your yeah. new series, um, which sees you touring all around Italy. Last yes. night you were in Sicily. Is that the one you watched, the Sicily one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How That's was episode it? one. Um, oh, it was fantastic. Um, I've, been to, I've been to Italy a lot. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been to Sicily that much. I've probably only been two or three times in my yeah. life. And um, I discovered that it's... I, I always knew that Sicily was a bit sort of feral, I suppose. Yes, I think that's a great um, way to describe it. Yeah. And uh, quite a lot of people say, I can't remember, was it someone like Goethe said that if you, if you go to Italy but you don't go to Sicily, you haven't actually seen Italy mm. at all. But the Sicilians think of themselves primarily as Sicilians rather than Italians. Right. But that's, that's quite an Italian thing anyway because, yeah. you know, the regions of Italy are still... They've only actually been united for 160 years or something, 170 years. So they, they still have a sort of fierce regional mentality, oh, that which does extend to their food as well. Yeah. But the Sicilians particularly. <laughs> they're nuts. <laughs> I say this because my uncle's from Murano, right at the top mm. there, up in the Dolomites. They were living down in the Veneto area. And I was going to meet a friend of mine down in Sicily. 
And he literally said, why? And I said, well, because I want to see Sicily. He goes, we've got Venice. You don't need to go south. But to be fair, my gran was like that when I moved to London. <laughs> she was like, what are you going to London for? And I said, well, I'm just going to go and work there. She was like, where are you going to get your hair cut? I was like, what do you, they have hairdressers. And she's like, what are you going to eat? Like she was so set in her Mancunian ways. She'd, she'd never left the country and yeah. she'd been to London once and yeah. didn't like it and came back in the same day. So maybe it's a northern, northern maybe Britain, is, mo- northern yeah. Italian, yeah. northern everything. God. My parents, they, they are from Bristol. We spent a lot of time living in the north and the Midlands in the north when I was young because mm. my dad worked in the steel industry. And we ended up in South Yorkshire where we were for quite a long time. But then my parents moved back down to Devon. Right. And they, get, they became confused about London because they would come and visit me. And you've got to, I'm talking about less than 10 years ago, so I'm an adult. I have my own house. You know, <laughs> the, with the job and things. And they'd always turn up and they'd bring things like food, <laughs> bog roll, <laughs> bedding. And I'd say, look, we've, I can, I've got all this. And if I haven't got it, it's at the end of the road. Yeah, we've yeah, got the yeah. supermarket and things. And, they did, and it got worse and worse until eventually they turned up with their own carpet. <laughs> they brought... And I said, why have you brought, brought carpet? And they said, well, we think your floor's a little bit cold, so just fill the stove side. We've got, and they brought their own roll of bleeding carpet. And put it, it took them about two days to unload the carpet. No. <laughs> hey, how was the famously quite fab food in Italy? How was the eating in comparison to, to being in Japan? Oh, now that's a good one. Um, I've just found a green cardamom pod. That's not, yes, I'm identifying Nick, that. Well, to take that out. Me? No, yeah. You're the bloody <laughs> chef. Um, I'm the cardamom siver. <laughs> I would say the great thing about both of those countries is that fairly mainstream grab some food in the middle of the day mm-hmm. because you've come out of the office or whatever is good in both. You, you, your basic... Uh, Convey a sushi place in Japan. I've never been to a bad one. They're always great. And if, you, if you're in Italy and you just go into what, what I would call a cafe mm-hmm. and have the basic pasta, especially if it's the, the one that, that is the local speciality. Mm. Regionality in food is still a genuine thing in Italy. It's, yeah. not, it's, not, a, it's not faked. It's not, it's not phony in any way. They do it. So if you're in Rome, you think, I'll just pop in there for a carbonara. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it'll be fantastic. Yeah. So you're very, very well served for mm. for everyday food, or what to them is everyday food, um, in both of those countries. If I, if I had to choose a diet for life, bearing in mind I'm quite old now and a bit fragile, <laughs> I, actually, I actually probably would choose Japanese, if I'm honest. Yeah. Why? Because it feels healthy. It I mean, does feel healthy. Mm. Italian food is is lovely, but you can see in over six episodes, I have to bear in mind that before we went away, I was making a real effort during lockdown to be healthy, ride my bicycle, eat healthy, do a lot of home cooking for obvious reasons. And I was actually, by my standards, looking very buff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least... That Dolce Vita look. (laughs) At least thinner than I was. I mean, I was probably the healthiest I've been in for at least a decade. Yeah. And, and then, then you through went to Italy. And then I went to Italy, yes. And you can see, if you look very carefully, you can see through, the, if you watch the programmes in order, you think, he's getting fatter. He's getting fatter, yeah. So, yeah. And he is. So, and if I ate Italian all the time, yeah. I would just hey, be... Hey, yeah. hard not to. I'd love that excuse, and I don't know if we have it in Britain, where if I, got, if I was an Italian man and I got fat from eating yeah. pasta, I'm doing that for time. the country. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> patriotic I mean, easy, Yeah, it's patriotic. <laughs> 
He's eating that pizza yeah. and pasta. Yeah, exactly. To respect his family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that curry, by the way, was really delicious. Thank you. Thank it was you. was really good. So what was it? Sri Lankan? Sure, like, Sri Lankan inspired. So right. Southern India, nice spicy, but not too overpowering. No, it's good. Coconut milk in there, tomatoes in there, and lovely monkfish. And can I just ask, because my cool. curries tend to come out as sort of grey. Do you sort of do onions and spices first, then yeah. do the fish, then add the... No, fish, rice at the end on this one. Onions, spices all at the beginning, let them cook down, then add your tomatoes, add the coconut milk, let that simmer, and then fish literally, as we were talking, I put the fish on and let it cook for three, four minutes, that's it. So it's not marinated? Right? Oh, it's marinated a couple of hours before, In... but just a bit of turmeric and lime juice. Ooh, and the lime firms it up slightly. Because mm. no, that tasted simple but sophisticated. It did. Woo! Thank mm-hmm. you. That's what we are. I'm simple. She's sophisticated. The tagline for our podcast. Um, but now we're going to move on to a cheese course. I Good. love a cheese and cracker moment. Yeah. And James, you have become sort of a, an icon for cheese. Well... <laughs> Do you yes. feel that? That's extremely generous of you. I, you're talking about this so-called cheese meme. Yes. Where I put the piece of the cheddar on the table and say, cheese. Yep. <laughs> God bless the internet that this became a thing. What was this, 2020? Uh, yes, probably yeah. was. So I did, it was a thing we did for our food tribe videos. Yeah. It was called Cheese versus Cheese. Um, <laughs> and it's quite a lengthy and in-depth investigation. But the only bit that's been taken from us and remembered is me going... Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm very flattered, and apparently it's going to the moon. Um, yeah, so, I love the story. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. Yeah. Mr. Beast, massive YouTube mm-hmm. influencer and so on, and he, he's sending a capsule of basically a, the equivalent of that thing that Blue Peter buried in the garden. Television centre. Have they dug that up yet? No, I, I think swear somebody, it was about 2020. Did they? Anyway. He's sending the equivalent to the moon, but in digital form. So it's sort of humanity's best work. It's got some poems and artworks and songs. And and it's got me saying cheese. <laughs> and of all the things, I mean, I, I'm not going to Do you feel that you want a... to be remembered for that? No. no I is... feel like we, you've, you've wrote, what, five, six books? Yeah. Many I'm, TV ideas spanning different disciplines? I'm not going to claim to have worked hard because that would be conceited, but I did work quite hard over the years. Uh, yeah. I went back into things and we did some quite highbrow TV programmes about mm-hmm. history and science. Mm-hmm. But give it another 50 years. People will go, James, wasn't he that bloke who said cheese? (laughs) That's it. I might go for this one, this green moulding. Cornish yard. Oh, okay. Can I ask your opinion? This is apropos of nothing, but grape scissors, which I always thought were a myth. What do you mean? Weirdly enough, I'm going to see him later this week, but I have a friend who's, who's very particular about things like this. And we were at his house, and fortunately not me, but one of the other guests was pulling the grapes off the stalks mm. yeah. and eating them. And after a while, he just, he completely lost it. And he said, well, you use the bloody grape scissors. And he actually had some. And what you're supposed to do, apparently, in polite company is cut off your own little bunch. And then you pick the grapes from it so that the stalks remain on your plate. You don't end up with a load of oh, naked yeah, stalks yeah, yeah. in the... I mean, that, okay, is, we that is quite particular. Some grape scissors. I, exactly, and I want some grape scissors. I it's want some grape something scissors. I haven't got. No, yeah. yeah, but you can use other scissors. No, no, I mean, just I'm grape scissors. No, 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 Angela, Angela don't there. be crazy. <laughs> I feel like we can't have James May here without talking about cars. Yes, what is your favourite car? Yeah, come on. My favourite car. 
No, you really don't have to answer no, that question. That. People no, do really. ask me that a lot. Yeah, do that. Yeah. People have been asking me that for 20 years. I still don't know. No, it's like, I, I don't really like a favourite anything. you cycled here, no? Uh, no, I'm going to cycle back. Oh, right, OK. I don't have a car anymore. And I, I basically did this deal. I need to show you this, actually, James. I've got pictures of it. Um, I did I a deal yeah. with this um, car company where they said, like, if you DJ for us and, like, you do some stuff for us, we'll do some stuff for you. Right. I can't remember the exact deal. And, um, <laughs> so anyway, they, they can like, you, let can me you remember a car. what sort of car it was? Yeah, I did. It was a Mercedes G-Wagon. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> That's proper gangster. Well, you know me. You know, proper gangster. So I had that and I just moved house and I just moved in. And I think my neighbours were already like... Having a cardiac arrest. Oh, God, look who's moved in next door. And it was in one of my first weeks of me moving in that I managed to flip it on its side. Oh. On a residential street. And I mean, on its side, blocking the entire <laughs> road. How the hell did you do that? And it was so shocking, right? And someone ended up taking pictures and putting in the paper. And... Genuine story. Lew Lewis Hamilton got in contact to say, how did you do that? <laughs> That's a true story. And I flipped it, look, like that. And it was like this. And the problem was, once I flipped it up on its side, it's so heavy that no one could... Well, you couldn't lift it up by yourself. I, I couldn't <laughs> lift it. But no, like, the fire brigade came out. It blocked the whole road. It was, like, school runtime of an evening. So no one could get down the street. And I was just like, oh, really sorry. Just, just moved in, flipped the car. And then when the car was on its side, like, the fire brigade came because they were like, maybe it'll blow up. I don't know. Or, like, they didn't know what was going on. And then they, they couldn't lift it on its side, like yeah. with whatever tools they had. So they had to contact one of the fire brigade, knew a like car sort of, I don't know, car saving company. Yeah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> so this like man came with a huge truck, flipped it up on its side, put it on the back of his lorry yeah. and like drove it off. So I was like, yeah, great, <laughs> gave him the keys. So then Mercedes were like, what the hell happened? And I was like, I don't know, I just like turned the corner. <laughs> And I, it, it was, the reason was it was so tall, that car, that when I turned the corner, it was a tight corner. I like hit this golf and rather than just crashing into it, hit a car. Okay. And rather than uh, just hitting into it, it just like drove up it like a monster truck and then <laughs> fell on its side. But it was so slow that a pedestrian was like, what, how did, you were driving, so what happened? So I don't know how it happened. It must've been just like a great physics angle or whatever. <laughs> But when the car, the next day, Mercedes were like, so where's the car now? And I was like, oh, a guy took it. <laughs> and they were like, who? And I was like, the man on the truck? And they were like, well, who was the man? And I was like, I don't know. And they were like, where are the keys? I was like, I gave them to the man. <laughs> so they were like, well, who was the man? And I was like, I, I thought you'd. So like so they couldn't find it for weeks because a man came and I just gave them the car. So do, uh, did you ever see that car again? Never did, saw the car again. Did anybody see it again? They, they did find it. And then I never heard from Mercedes ever again. <laughs> and they used to invite me to like Silverstone. Never oh, God, again. God, never again. That so was yeah, it. so we've blown it, Angela. So you climbed out of it, obviously. So it yes, went on the left on side. side yeah. like <laughs> and then they're so big that I could stand up in it and I still wasn't <laughs> out of it. So I had to like climb out of it like I was in an action movie. <laughs> But it was a good way to meet the neighbours because yeah. everyone came out, you know. 
I was like, hi, I'm Nick. I've just moved in. <laughs> I can imagine that your oh neighbours, yeah. presumably you live in quite a polite polite place. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> and they said... I think they laugh now. Off. Now a good six years yeah, afterwards, yeah. they're all right with that. Yeah. Or do you think at the time they said, Grimmy's moved in down the road, and then they got up the next day, they said, told you, look at that. <laughs> G-Vargan on its side in the middle of the road. 100%. He's here. 100%. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. James, it's been yeah, great come. chatting to you. No, I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed Thank the food. You. And I'm yeah, still James. enjoying the cheese, as I said. It, <laughs> Please. It's never, never ending. It will cheese never end. Cheese yeah. cheese cracky. You could be here by the time we come back next week for our next guest. I'm going to have a bit more. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, James. We can't all have a Michelin star chef in the kitchen, but you can ask Angela for some advice. Email dilemmas and any food-related questions to dish at waitrose.co.uk and we'll get Angela to help you out. All of the recipes and drinks can be found on the Waitrose website at waitrose.com slash dish recipes. Subscribe to Dish from Waitrose wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because we're very needy. <laughs> <laughs> and it helps people find the show too.